Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's and what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Con, it's me again. How are we feeling? How about that, Andrew Rannells, huh? Dreamy, so super dreamy. Um, well, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story here. If you don't know me, I'm Ben Cameron. I'm your Broadway buddy, and I'm happy to be here at Broadway Con Year Four. So excited! Uh, the other night, I had I love going to the theater. Anybody else here? Yeah, you like going to the theater. I had the opportunity to go out and see a show that I've seen before and revisit it. I went to go see Avenue Q. I went to go see Avenue Q and was blown away by Avenue Q this time in 2019 as much as I was in 2003 when I saw it for the first time. And so I'm super excited to be here to moderate this panel. It's my first panel moderation. Normally I'm just jumping around telling silly gay jokes, but now we're going to get serious, people. It's getting serious. I'm in panel mode. Uh, we're going to talk today um, with some of the amazing creatives and cast members that have been part of the amazing legacy that has been Avenue Q as they're celebrating 15 years of Avenue Q, which is just an enormous feat for any show. Um, it's really exciting. Also, please note that this entire panel is being recorded as part uh, and will be released as part of my podcast, The Broadway Cast. We're coming back. So make sure you check for that on all of our social media at the Broadway cast. And of course, if you want to listen to any uh, older episodes, you can do that on iTunes at the Broadway cast. So Avenue Q opened on Broadway in 2003, moved to off Broadway in 2009, has played the West End, has played Las Vegas all over the world. And it is as hip and fresh and relevant as it has ever been. And we've got some people who are going to tell you all about that. So. Let's meet some of the creative forces and the amazing talent behind Avenue Q. Let's start, oh, we might as well start with, with Mr. Bobby Lopez. Well, hello. Rick Lyons is here. You. That's, isn't, yeah, there he is. Huh? Did I, oh, I put an S on it? Oh, my apologies, huh? I, my apologies to the pride, <laughs> to the, <laughs> the lion pride. 
Carmen Ruby Floyd is here. Aaron Quill is with us. You guys can sit wherever you feel happiest. We're very, we're very easy breezy. Howie Michael Smith is here with us today. Let's say hello to our good pal, Ann Harada. And you'll note that there's a seat left. I think we should give that to Miss Stephanie DeBruzzo. You get to climb. Um, thank you guys all so much for being here, and congratulations on the legacy of Avenue Q. 15 years is an accomplishment that very few theatrical anythings get to achieve. It's, it's, it's almost a miracle in our business, isn't it? So congratulations on that. And as I mentioned, I saw the show the other night, and it's really in terrific shape. And, and I was just blown away by how hard I laughed, and that I even, as, as, as vulgar as I can be and like to be, gasped and put my hand to my mouth a couple times, which which I have to believe is all part of the game when we're, when we're talking Avenue Q. So a quick little story. In 2003, I was at a show, uh, a little show called Wicked. In 2003. And we, were, we, w we went into Tony night, and we were feeling real, real <laughs> cocky. We all went out and bought new outfits. And we got, we went and we did our performance, which involved just running out behind a cape for three and a half seconds. <laughs> And pointing at Adina Menzel, and then we went to the party to sit back, chillax, and watch ourselves win a Tony Award. <laughs> and Avenue Q famously won the Tony Award in 2003. This is a setup, you guys. Let's get out of here. <laughs> huh? I, I, this is a setup. It's not our fault. It's a marvelous huh. thing. It's a marvelous and thing. They I just voted with their heart. And that's what that's I right. exactly. And, and yes. Everybody in town thought it was going to be wicked because they yep. put the screens up, you sure. know, uh, you know, they put these big screens up at Radio City, right, announcing the winner. And as they announced Avenue Q, all <laughs> the screens went up, wicked. Wicked, yes. <laughs> so you know the screens behind the presenters, the ones that are on stage. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. ones that are on stage. Yeah. It was the La La Land of its day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, dear wicked, pride cometh before the fall. Um, yeah. and I, and Wait, I you were in the opening number with us then. You were on stage absolutely. with us. Absolutely. One night only. Come on, baby. Come on. Yeah. 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 That was a fun year because Hugh Jackman was hosting. We all got to do an opening number as well as our performances, which was very cool. Yeah. Um, I shortly thereafter got to come see Avenue Q, and I went, I was watching it, and I just went, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. It's absolutely brilliant. So let's talk a little bit. Let's just start big and, ta and talk about the Tonys. And, and Avenue Q's been revolutionary in so many ways, but one of the ways I think that's interesting is um, is the road to the Tony Awards and and kind of the campaign towards it? As you just said, Aaron, vote vote your heart. Can vote we talk your heart. Can we talk a little bit about how that how that kind of came to be and how that momentum pushed through to Tony Night? Uh, yeah, I guess um, I guess I'm the one. I was sort of um, Jeff Marks and I were very worried because we wanted the show to run for as long as possible, and the Tony Award we had gotten the best reviews of the season. And um, and the question was, did anybody remember us? Yeah, now because at this we because the show opened at an unusual time. It right. opened the first actual couple of weeks of uh, of eligibility. Big River and then us. Yeah, we yeah. had opened off Broadway the at the Vineyard Playhouse, at Vineyard Theater in in the previous season, um, and then we came in in the summer to 
the Golden Theater, and then no one knew that we opened. So the show was slowly building its business, and it was it was getting better and better. Bill Clinton came to see it, and that provided a big boost. And um, I don't know. I mean, it just kept word of mouth kept going because this show because the show people love the show, and. Um, by the time Tony came around, the Tony came around, we were the last on every prediction list, and we thought this is crazy. People liked the show. Everyone kind of thought, oh, that was last season's off-Broadway, you know, little um, <laughs> curiosity, and uh, <laughs> and so we just tried to do a a, a campaign that um, that kind of just r reminded everyone that we were there. So we did something different. They decked the the theater out in like uh, election kind of bunting, like patriotic bunting, like it's election time. And they had ads that were like, a vote for Q is a vote for you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> utterly genius. <laughs> yeah, but I think they had to change the Tony campaign rules after that. Yeah. Like, am yeah. I wrong? But I think no, it was that did, year yeah. after, right? I, I yep. do remember like opening the New York Times and there being full page ads that, that were decked out in this kind of presidential votes kind of thing. That's right. Uh, that's what the ad campaign wanted to do. And we and Jeff and I were like, that's not going to, like, what does that mean? I don't even understand. <laughs> we didn't realize that, like, awards are basically an election. Um, and so we thought we would write a song that was all about, don't vote for the show you think will win. Don't think, don't vote. It was, <laughs> we created a, show, a song called Vote Your Heart. Uh, and it was about Rod. Rod was like, I, I have a Rotary Club election. And uh, what was it? <laughs> I don't remember. Should I vote for my friend, yeah. or should I vote for the cute guy, right. something like that? <laughs> right. Or the rich guy, or yeah. The rich guy, yeah. And of course, it was also an actual election year, so that that helped promote the the campaign aspect yeah, that's of right. it. Yeah. Um, and um, and we thought that our song was very clever. It was about don't. It was just about vote your heart. It was patriotic. It was like and, and vote for the show you like the best. And um, and that's <laughs> Jeff Marks had sort of done an analysis, saying to me that we would win. Be like if if we get twenty five percent of the directors, if we get twenty five, <laughs> um, like, let's go to the graph. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here you'll see. Um, and Mark Hamill, um, who I gotten to be friends with that year, left me a message that morning on my machine saying like, "You guys are gonna win." Oh, and I, I came I came back after the Tony <laughs> that night and um, and played and heard that message. I was like, "Oh, Mark, Mark wow. Hamill was right. Brilliant. Well, Mark always the best." Mark Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker, isn't he? Yeah, I believe okay, so. Okay, I was going to say, always press the Jedi. Oh, and then right. I was like, know your audience. Uh, but Sorry. then I was like, am I wrong about that? Am I about to get crucified? They're like, no, he invented Tesla. He was a song and dance man. He did six dance lessons in six weeks that year. That year, it's, uh, it closed in like really fast. But he was oh, on yeah. Broadway that season. Oh, that's right. I do remember that. Yeah, and yeah he's, he a, he's a hoofer. And yeah. he did, and he did uh, what was it called? Harrigan, Harrigan and, and Hart. Hart. Right. Yes. With Harry Glenner. Years before that, yeah. Another uh, show that ran us. for yeah. five days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it, I mean, the night and was... He was and he was one of the replacement cast of Amadeus. He played Mozart. That's right. That's right. Hashtag knowledge. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I think we us winning that Tony was very important for our show um, to, to get, uh, the, the get the word out on our show. And it, I think we ran... We wouldn't, have been, we wouldn't be here 15 sure. years later if not for that. And look at Wicked. I don't think they suffered at all. Sure. So, um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. And but t tell me a little bit about the night of. Were you even with this analysis and and the Jedi predictions and things? <laughs> you know, were you kind of coming up into it? Were you kind of blown away as as this happened? I know Bobby. Stephanie. Yeah. Bobby and Stephanie. No, we were, it was n none of us. None of us imagined that we would win anything. <laughs> but you, you won. 
<laughs> uh, Tony, yeah. Getting yeah. To the win first Tony was of your many stacks of awards. <laughs> awards. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was the he's beginning got, of the double EGOTs. He's got EGOTs. EGOTs upon EGOTs, my friends. Yeah, um, that was, it was, cra it was a crazy night. It was overwhelming. It was, um, it was a little, I was nervous. I was angry. You know, you, you never know those feelings until you get there. Um, and, uh, and I was just absolutely overwhelmed um, when, when we, when, uh, it was Nathan Lane was reading the announcement yeah. for best, sh best, um, best musical. And, and he was shady. And <laughs> <laughs> Avenue Q. I was looking at his mouth. Do you not remember how he said it? Avenue I so remember Q. how he's yeah. like, Avenue Q? <laughs> Go back and but, look. But oh, the shade of it all. It was a millisecond of, did he make this mouth? Or yeah, I never heard him announce it. I just saw him go instead yeah. of, and I, uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, it was a lip sync thing. Yeah. Um, if he closed his lips, it was wicked. If he opened his mouth, it was Avenue Q. Well, you guys just must have partied like crazy that night. I mean, what a, what a joyous actually, thing to Actually, our be. party was sort of, I don't think anybody expected us to win. And our party ended up rolling up the floor really early. And we had to go wandering around looking for other people's Tony's parties <laughs> to... Swoozy, Swoozy Kurtz was following us around, looking for the next Tony party to go to. You're like, well, we are, we're done with our party. Let's go, I don't know, gloat party. Yeah. I, I'm I teasing. Yeah. I remember it being less about, oh, are we going to win or not? And more about, hey, millions of people are going to get to see our show on this telecast. Because it was a hard show to describe to people. It still is, You sort is, of had yeah. to see it to understand what it was. So I thought, well, what a great opportunity we're gonna have to be on this national platform showing people what we do. Like, the nomination was really important to the show because it yeah. meant that we got to be part of this Broadway community and show that we belonged there. Yeah. So that, to me, I think was what, personally, was what I was, going for like, people are going to get to see us. They're going to get to see our little show. Yeah. They're going to get it. And that's, that was what was exciting about it. And it was so, the and the broadcast was so fortunate for us because we knew the entire crew. Yeah. <laughs> every, every all, right. all the cameramen, the, the floor manager. The they all worked on Sesame they were Street. All people who'd worked oh. on Sesame Street. Yeah, in fact. Um, that's some good juju in there. Well, the yeah, our floor manager was Chris Kelly, who works yeah. on Saturday Night Live now. Yep. Um, the guy who had Kate's super close-up for the bleep fuck, it sucks to be me, was John Michael John, who had worked on Col worked on Sesame Street, was working on Colbert, and had worked on The Late Show, and he just uh, left that show. Amazing camera guy. And he Ken shot Diego was in the Ken trailer. Ken Diego was in the trailer <laughs> as the AD. Um, he knew how to shoot really close, so I knew, I had to keep Kate really still, but I knew that she wouldn't wind up dipping out of shot. Like, I knew I could trust John. He's like, I got you, Stephanie. So that was so special. Like, yeah. we had friends there. Yeah. And Jason Moore had storyboarded the first part of that because everyone was nervous about framing when you when you do something on screen, you're telling people where to look. So you're telling yeah. people, look at this puppeteer. Whereas on stage, your eye has freedom to go where it wants to go and you end up saying, Okay, there's right. a puppeteer, there's a puppet, puppeteer, puppet, puppeteer, puppet. That's the character, I get it. Mm -hmm. And um, and so we tried Jason said, Let's start really close in on Kate Monster and then kind of slowly come further out so you can see Stephanie. But it was weird because when we do puppets for television, we're used to seeing a monitor to seeing how they look. Right, we we right, couldn't right. guarantee that we were going <laughs> to get that nailed right into the camera right, lens. Right. So 
I kind of knew now, where John was going to be, and he kind of helped me, but I think, I mean, he could only do so much to help my focus. So, yeah, it was like there by the grace of Isn't the TV that? gods go I. Well, let's talk about each of you and your relationships with, with Avenue Q. Kind of tell us um, uh, when you were there with, with the Q and, and which roles you assumed during that time. We'll start with you, Carmen. I got a call from my agent saying, hey, you have an audition for Avenue Q um, to understudy Gary Coleman. And I said, <laughs> 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 That's just a call you never expect to get. You know I'm 5'10 and I'm a female, correct? <laughs> and I had no idea. I mean, I was, I was out doing Lion King in Toronto when I came here, so I wasn't seeing stuff, you know, I, I was keeping my coin. I wasn't going out to see no theater. <laughs> um, so I- Sweet per diem. Yeah, so when I came in to audition, I still didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I was just like, mm, loud as a hell, what? <laughs> like, I seriously like, and y'all was laughing, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I really didn't know <laughs> what was going on. I was like, well, is he a puppet? What, I, just clueless. Like, well, it was off-Broadway, it was a big hit. I was like, well, fine, I'll go in, and then, you know, I got it. But I, yeah, like you were saying, it was so hard to explain. I was like, what? It, it was, was very, crazy. It was very hard to explain, and it was very hard to show people what we had as far as from, from a script and a tape. Yeah. Because you would read this thing, and it wouldn't seem very good or very funny on the page. And then the songs, you know, you, it's nice to have people around to laugh. Uh, and when you look at the word, <laughs> lyrics are always written in uppercase. So when you see um, <laughs> like a song with a lot of F-bombs in it on the page, yeah. it just looks very angry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it looks like you're yelling. <laughs> I mean, Book of Mormon was the worst, the end of Hasidiga uh, <laughs> Ibawai. And, and they also asked me you know, if I had puppetry experience. And of course, I had you know, Lion King, which I, kids, if you're in school and they tell you, you know, a special skill, I was like, puppetry is so stupid. I'm not going to be able to use it. Nobody's going to ask me to do this. I'm not a puppeteer, and I'm still not, but I got through with help from Lion King, then everybody at Avenue Q helping me out. But that was like, I'm, no, I, I don't have a skill. That's not my skill. That's not my, you that's wanted my to calling. show your beauty. You didn't <laughs> want to be hidden in the void. I get it. Would you want to hide like, that? Come no on. No way. You're too sweet. So Carmen, you did you did do <laughs> playing playing Gary Coleman and, and did puppeteer work as well. Within the yeah, um, they came with to me like a year in to do um, the Tea Lady. I don't know if I can. Yeah, Jen, Mrs. Thistle Mrs. Thistle Trot. Okay, you said it. Yeah. It's <laughs> 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 like okay, and so that was that was crazy because you know I had watched you guys, you know, and then Jim was very great with me, helping me um, with twat and. Like, sorry. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's this is swap this all. We never referred to her as that. Like, it's hilarious. I never Mrs. thought T. to have that be the slang for her. Just, just we're just gonna. I'm done. Who's got time? We got, yeah, you know, twat. Yeah, okay. but it was so fun and like you know, learning the um, just the partnership, you know, with Rick, with uh, Trekkie, um, all all that stuff, and just. The magic that comes with, you know, you know, it's just like ballet dancer. You see just the grace and beauty. You have no idea the hard work because it looks flawless. You know what I'm saying? So and I that was great. And I do want to dive into that um, in, a, in a little bit as well because the physical 
um, demands of the show uh, are immense. I, I mean, as far as you're putting so many elements together. Um, Anne Harad, of course, uh, Christmas Eve in the original no puppetry <laughs> skills necessary. <laughs> but I, I do have a question w with that, and, and maybe I can all help me. In the world of Avenue Q, um, what is the reasoning behind having some characters as human and some characters as puppets? That's, that's a good question. It's, um, you notice the, the jumping off place for Avenue Q was it started as a satire or a parody of Sesame Street. And one of, the, one of the things about Sesame Street is that they have humans and puppets. Why do they have humans? The puppets are so popular. The Muppets are so popular. Why isn't it just all Muppets? Well, the human characters, uh, not only uh, context is the wrong word, they, they give credence to the puppet characters. They, if the human beings believe in the puppet characters, then the audience is going to believe in the puppet characters. Gives them credibility. You know, on Sesame Street, the humans were, m a lot of the humans were these little kids, and the show was aimed at families and young kids. We thought our, um, our show was really aimed at 20-somethings, and, um, uh, you know, people who were kind of babies out of college. And um, we created this character called Brian, who was based on our friend from the BMI workshop, Brian Yorkey. Um, the writer he played of him in the first reading, right? He yep. played him in the he first yeah, reading. Yeah, he played him in the first That's reading. That's why Brian wears shorts. That's right. And goofy do shirts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Does Brian Yorkie wear those things? Used oh, to. yeah. He did. Oh, oh yes. yeah. He did. Well, he did, yeah. Okay. He warmed to the reading, and it was just such a great costume choice that you guys <laughs> ran with it. Yeah. Brilliant. And, um, and we had to let him go at some point, but he won the Pulitzer Prize, so he's fine. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. He can't afford pants. He's just not That's interested in right. wearing them. Like That's right. Yeah. But you had like Brian was sort of the Bob. Yeah, and Brian was like and Bob. Christmas <laughs> Eve was like you know the the the, the Gordon and Susan yeah. and Luis and Maria right. like sort of giving advice to the puppet characters. Right, and Gary Coleman was kind of like the guest star. You know, there's always Yo-Yo Ma would come on Sesame Street <laughs> or something. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and Rick, how long were you involved in in the production? Oh well. Um, to this I actually, day. Yeah, I, I, I predate Avenue Q, actually. That's right. Bobby and Jeff were partnered in the BMI Musical Theater Workshop, and they were putting together their, I think it was, isn't it the last assignment of the first year, the 10-minute musical? It this was the second year. This was oh, the second year, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the Jeff <laughs> and Bobby were partnered, and they were working on a piece that they were calling Kermit, Prince of Denmark. And... Um, it's brilliant. It's, it's it. it was a brilliant piece. And they had been performing the songs that they'd been writing in class, and they'd been re really well-received and stuff. But Jeff and Bobby went, you know, we're writing these songs for puppets. Wouldn't it be cool to have somebody perform in class with a puppet? Wouldn't that be just, you know, the icing on the cake? And so Jeff had been a music intern at Sesame Street, where he got fired. And um, But he got to know one of the puppet wranglers uh, at the at the show, and he asked her if she knew anybody who would come and sing a song as Kermit for them. So she contacted me, that's Laura McLean, and I, of course I had never heard of the BMI Musical Theater Workshop, I had no idea who Bobby and Jeff were, but one of the things that I always have sort of made a, a driving force in my career choices is just never say no to anything, at least without getting more information. So I said, sure, I'll meet you, and you know, maybe we can work together. And so I met them, and they played the song, and it was a brilliant song. And I performed the song in class, and it was incredibly well-received. 
And that sort of uh, launched them into creating a full-length piece out of that Kermit Prince of Denmark. We pitched it to Hansen, who said no, which was a really bad idea. And so Bobby and just went, well, screw you guys. Why are we writing for somebody else's characters? Let's make our own thing with puppets. And that's when Avenue Q was born. So I've known Jeff and Bobby since 1997. And Stephanie. Well, I want to get back to Anne Harada, uh, her involvement in the show. Okay. No, yes, only because yes. we're talking about BMI. Uh, Anne was, uh, when we did the first reading at the York Theater in May of 2000, yes. we didn't have a Christmas Eve. We were sort of rehearsing songs, and we didn't have a Christmas Eve, and it was looking like Bobby was going to be playing Christmas Eve for a while. <laughs> I'd see that, though. And uh, You're Asian, so it's fine. <laughs> We're going to talk I about that, too. I have, I have very deep memories of Bobby's Christmas Eve that I will cherish in my heart forever. Um, but but uh, so Amanda Green was our first Gary Coleman. Yes, that Amanda Green. And anyway, I believe it was Amanda who brought Anne to yes. us. I had gone to college with Amanda. And I feel like how the story was <laughs> told to me was like, they're like, hey, we really need an Asian actress. Does anybody know anybody Asian? <laughs> And like Amanda's like, yeah, I know somebody. I'll call her, you know. And so then I got the call. I was like, yeah, I'll do. I'll go. I, I'm much like Rick. I'm a big believer in if it, you know, you don't know. You have to show up and see if any, you know, no matter how wacky an idea seems or you don't never heard of them. Well, they never heard of you either. It's like just show up and see what happens. So it was so much fun. I mean, I was and I had gone to the BMI workshop and I'd seen them do Kermit, Prince of Denmark, and I loved it, and I just thought, they're so gifted, you know, like, so anyway, so I show up, and they're like, hey, we need somebody to sing two lines, and everyone's a little bit racist, I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and all these songs, none of these songs really had anything to do with a story at that point. They were just We had, ups. like, we were thinking of a TV show, we wanted to um, create, a, create a show where every week there'd be some kind of theme, and we'd have a lot of little skits and stuff like that, and puppets, and some some kind of story, but not really. And so we had written all these songs that were not supposed to go together, <laughs> and um, and racist. We just kind of put them up in this in our first reading, um, and uh, and um, so racist. We had this idea of that Brian would have would have an Asian uh, fiance, and we had a funny line for her. So we thought, well, just just get it. <laughs> <laughs> what well, what was the line that that sensed the deal? Oh, I don't know. What was it, Bobby? <laughs> Something about recyclables? Oh. Recyclables? Brian, <laughs> <laughs> come back here, take out recyclables. <laughs> Change the course of theater history. <laughs> like, literally, I can't even tell you how many times I've had to say that into somebody's phone. <laughs> oh my gosh, my friend loves Avenue Q, will you? I'm not asking for real, oh I'm no. reenacting yeah, those right. moments for you. <laughs> but you would? Thank you for being willing. You don't really have a friend that likes Avenue Q, do you? I have all my friends like Avenue Q. That's for <laughs> darn sure. All of my friends, you know, p people of taste and breeding. So you were with it from the workshop uh, all the way into it, yeah? Then? Yeah. I mean, I guess 2000? From May of 2000. May of 2000 on. And so Stephanie's staying with you. Yeah, and, and, and with it, well, she was. You were involved before that. No, no, no. I wasn't. Uh, I I came on because. They were my husband, Craig Shemin, who's out there somewhere. Hi! Hi, Craig! The president of the Jim Henson Legacy at the time was working for the Jim Henson Company in the creative services department, and Bobby and Jeff met him because they were trying to pitch 
Kermit, Prince of Denmark to Henson, not like Craig had any say, but they were meeting with him to see getting farther up the chain. And then Craig, who is a TV writer, um, offered to help us write this pilot, and we graciously accepted, and he graciously um, gave us his office in the Jim Henson townhouse. <laughs> so we would go, we would go in, the people would let us write up, and we felt so subversive. Um, <laughs> writing oh. this, writing Avenue Q in the belly of the beast, as it were. Yeah, pretty, pretty you guys played, I think, If You Were Gay and Tear It Up and Throw It Away on the second floor conference room on that grand piano. He was one of the first people to hear those songs. And then you said, well, we're looking for, we're looking to do this reading. This was probably in late 99. You said, we're looking to do a reading in the spring. We need a female puppeteer. I was like, well, my wife's a puppeteer. And he showed the clips we'd worked together at that time on a show called The Wubulous World of Dr. Seuss. And unbeknownst to me, Rick had also thought of me, but he thought I'd be too busy. Yeah, I had said, well, you know, Stephanie would be perfect for this, but I don't think she'll be able to do it. Which was like, okay, always ask your friends. Yeah. Never <laughs> assume they're busy. Um, so it was just serendipitous that this also happened. Um, and it was nice to have two people validate uh, my you know, my being in that reading. But so that's how I got involved with that first reading. But the re I remember the rehearsal process for that first reading seemed like it was just very sporadic for a few months beforehand. Yeah, that's it why it seems like it was yeah. longer. Well, and I, and I always kind of forget that we had Johnny yeah. had already been there for a while. He was the first other person. Yeah, John Tartaglia. And because and Rick, Rick and I and Johnny had worked together on Sesame Street for years. That's how far, I, I go, I started at Sesame like in 90, late 93, so that's when Rick and I met. I probably should have established that we knew each other. Oh yeah. Uh, well that's, that's, that's one of the unusual things about the original cast of Puppeteers. We all knew each other for years before mm -hmm. we'd ever done Avenue Q. In fact, when we were at the Vineyard, I think between the four of us, we had 50 years collective professional puppetry experience, mm -hmm. uh, which was pretty fun. Because we kind of, it was fun to do something similar to what we knew how to do, but very different, oh making yeah. up new rules for the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was one of the early challenges, I must say. The, the style of puppetry that you see in Avenue Q as it exists today was something that took a while to develop because that style, that was one of the groundbreaking things about the show is it was the television style of puppets live on stage. Nobody had ever done that before. And so we had to kind of figure out how to make that work, and it was a process. But it was fun working that out. But anyway, I was really grateful that. So I cleverly done. I mean, when you watch it with the, with the way it's lit, and, and it really, you become really engrossed in what's happening with the puppets live, as well as being aware of the actors. Howie, when did you come into this? Come to the ad? Uh, I came in uh, in 2005, January, I think. I started rehearsals. I had um, I'd heard of the show um, a year or two before that. I, I was doing. <laughs> I was doing a production of Christmas Carol at the Forge in DC, and backstage, a friend of mine in <laughs> full Dickensian garb was singing, The Internet is for Porn. <laughs> <laughs> like putting on a cape, The Internet is for And I was like, what, what is that mess? What are you doing? And he was like, oh, it's the show with the puppets, and it's in New York, and it's the, all this music. And I was like, no, that's not a thing. He was like, no, really? And so after the show, uh, uh, we listened to the cast recording, and I was like, oh, okay. I hope we went all the way through once, and then uh, just play it again. Play the whole thing again. Okay. And then I was flipping through the little booklet, and I was like, okay, so I'm totally going to be in this show. <laughs> um, and without any ego, I was like, this is, oh, I, I totally, I get what this is. And so then fast forward a year after that, and um, 
yeah, I ended up coming in and covering, and then I played Princeton Rod for a thousand or something. I was going to say over a thousand forever, performances. Yeah. Howie, had you puppeteered? You had not puppeteered before, right? No, but uh, as an only child, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, had to make friends somehow. I was in desperate need of friends, and I <laughs> and I would watch Sesame Street, and I would sit and just try to copy everything. This I was fascinated with it, and then luckily uh, with all of you and 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 Peter Linz and just like helping me through it all. And then I, there were a lot of rehearsals. I was uh, I was crying. It hurt so bad, because the stamina that it takes to to and, and I don't know. Is it was it different for you guys from do going here to here? Oh, it's very different. It's like very completely different. Tell us about that. Because yeah. I don't think a lot of people don't understand kind of how that works this on hurts. television. It's really yeah. bad. Well, yeah, but when it's you're when you're working on TV, you're usually standing or scooting or around on the floor on, the on Sesame Street. But, but you're above. Your you're you're working above your head, so you actually have the advantage of having your whole spinal column sort of supporting you and stuff. In Avenue Q, you're just cantilevered out to the side. So it's a different it's a different kind of set of muscles and a different kind of stretch. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to a musical reading where actors have a, you know, music stands and their, their material like that. And so they have to kind of look up and look down because they haven't memorized the material yet. But when, the <laughs> when you're doing Avenue Q and they're puppets, oh my God. You have the <laughs> they can look at the, at the words, but the, the puppets look like they're off book. No, I just remember it's really hard to do page turns yeah. in a reading. <laughs> so I yeah, had to like prepare the my the puppets have to turn the pages like with their the mouth. tape and, and, you know, accordioning for multi-page scenes and stuff like that. But I wanted to say, Howie, you were one of the people who picked it up, the puppetry, really quickly. You and Christian Anderson, I, I think, were two of the people who picked up the puppetry I the fastest. I think because we loved it so much and we wanted to, like, you know, Figure out how to put the entire like, human condition in the in your in the hand and make it all. Well, there's seem so much real. to it that's, that you wouldn't so guess when you watch somebody who's adept at it. Oh, oh, thank. We have a very special guest. <laughs> but there's so much involved with like. Can you tell us a little bit technically about the way the hand has to be and, and well, where you're? I mean, I, I've been through auditions and stuff like that. Both, you know, I've I've gone through auditions. I've I've been on the other side during auditions. There are brilliant performers who just cannot translate this to this. And some people, you know, it's a, hi, Nikki, how hi. are you? I, I have to hold the microphone to him because I, know. I don't actually make noise. That's true. <laughs> it's awkward. To get it, there, there are basics. You know, a lot of people, um, the natural instinct is to close the hand as you're speaking. A lot of people can't get past that. When you have to think about the human face, we open our mouths when we speak. Um, that's just a basic that some people never even get past that. But then to get to a point where it's so natural that you believe that this is a living, breathing creature. I'm not. Who it will <laughs> hurt very much if I boop. Um, Don't boop me. It's harder. It, anyone who does something really well, and you were talking about ballet dancers, a anybody who does something really well makes it look effortless and you don't see the effort, but it's hard to get to that point. But everybody assumes, people know ballet is hard. People think puppetry is the easiest thing in the world you until know they try it. You know what it's most like? It's most like learning a new musical instrument. For, for those of you who play musical instruments, it's actually the disciplines are very similar. Uh, and, it's a, and it's a very similar sort of process because <laughs> what, what, it is, what it is is you're channeling <laughs> your performance 
through an outside vessel. You're, you're channeling your performance in something that's outside <laughs> of yourself. And that's such a cheap gimmick, you know? <laughs> All I'm doing is this, okay? Don't do that again. Timing. It's the timing. That was weird. You stripped me. Yeah, there, I, there is just so much to it, and, and, I, and it just looks so flawlessly executed on stage. It really does. I want to make sure I talk to, to Aaron here. Oh. I don't want to leave you out of this joining into it's the company okay. moment. What? Oh, sorry. No, I expected Nikki to say something, and I, was gonna, <laughs> I had a felt joke that I was going to try. Um, I <laughs> oh, I'm, sh I'm very certain Nikki can set you up for that. Hashtag I'm me always too. the avenue Q. Uh, I came after the vineyard production when they did the Broadway transfer I got a call I was actually I was directing a show in Seattle and I didn't know anything about it but fortunately when my friend called to tell me about it um, I called my agent and she coincidentally happened to represent all the puppeteers because she was Johnny's agent uh, prior so she said oh you know coincidentally yeah I can get you an audition and the casting director did not want to see me because I would have had to fly in from the West Coast. And so she was very determined not to see me, right? And then she waited till the last possible moment and my agent said, listen, if you don't see her, I'm not gonna lie to you, you're gonna regret it and the thing is she's gonna book it so then you're gonna have to eat crow. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, uh, yeah it's like very hostile, Penny. <laughs> So uh, like that's not the way to get me the appointment. <laughs> so she did wait till the last minute. She waited till four o'clock in LA to tell me to be there at ten o'clock in New York. Ooh. Yeah. Is that so impossible? so I was semi hysterical and not sure I could make because uh, that's uh, at four o'clock. That's the cutoff to get back to New York from LA. And uh, fortunately, my parents like let me use their frequent flyer miles and I stayed overnight in, a, in the airport in Atlanta and then I had another connect to Newark and I washed my hair in an airport sink <laughs> and I, I yeah, and it's glamorous, showbiz is glamorous, don't let anybody lie to you. And then I took the bus from Newark into New York to 8th Avenue and I waited in a coffee shop until the building opened because it was still six in the morning and then I went in, I sang it, and then she said, here's a tape and a script, come back tomorrow. And then I took it home and read it, and my mother said, what do you think of it? And I said, either it's genius or a giant piece of shit. <laughs> and right now I actually could not tell you which one it is. Well, 15 years later, I'm gonna say genius is probably where this I landed. Probably I erred to the side of genius, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, when I watched it the other day, just going a little bit back to the physicality that we were talking about, and I'm so fascinated with, um, with this, with the, with the hand puppets who are as part of Trekkie Monster, for example, and, and not only getting the body together, but the acting beats are so alive and so real. And how do, how, what, what are the keys to accomplishing that? With the puppets or just in general? Oh, with the pu with the puppets. Well, some of the, some of the puppets have no live hands; they just have sure. rods. So one performer can do one puppet. Yeah, Whereas Nikki, Nikki, right. his other hand is pinned. But uh, oh, sorry, it's pinned. Nikki. Right. Okay. It's pinned. But when I stuffed it, because I, I knew Jen wasn't going to be. But here. if it wasn't, I would be back here, or Jen, or someone yeah. would be back here doing that. That's how Cookie Monster works. The, the, the short the short answer to that 
relationship is, it's really like having a dance partner. You know, you, you have to be that much in tune with each other and you have to know that well what the other person is going to do. It's actually, uh, one of the interesting things about that relationship is that uh, you just can't screw up your partner. You have to be so consistent every single night. You have to s make the same step every night. You have to do the same gesture and every night. Yeah, and um, I would say for understudy, especially if you have different, whoever your partner is, like Rick does this, Christian does that, like that's you gotta hard. You got to know that. Each, it's yeah. hard. Each and, like and then when you find a rhythm, because I think I went on for like two weeks at, with Rick at like one time or something like that. Yeah, you find a rhythm, it's like, oh, okay, I got it now. And then somebody else comes in or you're like, oh, we're doing this now. It's like, <laughs> like I had it. I had it. So, but that, I think that was probably the hardest thing personally for me was to just feel it. And that, but I know what, I kind of know what he kind of likes to do or he does or, you know, so I think that, that was like probably the hardest thing, especially with understudy with the puppeteering. Because, yeah, you got to know those beats. It's, yeah, that rehearsal yeah. is tough. I, I can only imagine. I, and I just want to add real quick, uh, for those of you who might not be familiar with Avenue Q, I think that's one of the reasons that the then show. Then why would you be here? They're here. You never know. You never know. Know how you I found think that's us. one of, I think that's one of the shows. They just wandered in. I think that's one of the show's successes is that it's not a passive show. As an audience member, you are asked to participate in understanding what the relationship is between the puppet and the puppeteer. It's like watching a foreign movie with subtitles at first. You're like, where do I look? And then after the first, you know, few seconds, you your brain totally accepts that and just takes it all in. That's one of the things I like about Avenue Q is that it challenges the audience to participate in that. It's not just a show that washes over you and, you, and you, you don't have to think about it. It's not just fluff. And it's a clever show with issues. Yeah, and know? let's talk about some of the, the issues with that, though, because the themes that are so timely even today uh, and even maybe resonate more, but, you know, themes of, hi. Oh, we are? Oh, hi, really? David. That's David <laughs> Alpert, everybody. David Alpert. Hi, David. Genius David Alpert. Oh, he well, deserves okay, more so than that. <laughs> He helps put this whole thing together. Oh, well, guys. Oh, okay, Twitter this is questions. Twi Why didn't I guess you say Twitter so? questions have come up. We were just gabbing and gabbing, and now apparently we have to go to Twitter questions. Mm -hmm. um, so we've asked um, some people to write in questions for y'all. Uh huh. Look at that. That's amazing. There you are. Um, we've asked them to send us some, tw some Twitter Make questions. Make a t shirt, somebody. Okay, great. Um, so let's look at this first one. Let's see if I can read. First Twitter question. I'm just trying to read that. Do puppets have a retirement plan? <laughs> and that's from at music. Where's at music? Stand up, at music. Music. Hi, so how did you get at music? You're like, I got up very early in the morning <laughs> on Twitter day. All right, what's the answer to that question? Retirement should answer that question. Does he have a retirement plan? No. We're not in the union. <laughs> well, guess what, App Music, for tweeting us that, uh, that question, you just got two tickets to go see Avenue Q. What? Yeah. All right. What's our next, what's our next Avenue Q and A? This is Joy Raymer. Stand up, Joy. Hi, Joy. Joy wants to know, is there any sort of exercise regimen for building up strength for handling the puppets? Also, Stephanie, what was it like working with Julie Andrews? Well, let's take our first question first. Um, 
people just think, oh, is your arm tired? Well, it's your hand, so doing grippy exercises like that, because you're doing this stretches. constant movement a lot, lots of stretches. The shoulder is and really what gets you too. And PT, you, yeah. gotta have, you have to have it a lot. Yeah, but also th there's, it's so weird. Puppetry is the sort of thing that uses muscles that you don't use in anything else. Right. So I can't right. say, oh, if you do curls or you do this, it's just you kind of have to do it a lot yeah, and get it, it in is, your it bones. Is one of the, it's just like, you know, what, what are the exercises you do to, to be a good basketball player? Well, you do drills, but that's what a drill is really just doing it. Right. right? So right. you really just build up the, the muscles and the stamina that you need from, from doing it. I've been doing this since, uh, like, birth. And I actually, <laughs> I actually have trouble buying clothes that look like a normal person because my right side is so much more developed than my <laughs> left side. I'm, I'm sort of lopsided. And Stephanie, Julie yeah. Andrews, uh, lover, hater. <laughs> we're, I'm sorry, we're what running out of time. I've heard she's a that. nightmare. What <laughs> do you think the answer to that question is going to be? I was so lucky to get to be in her aura and presence. And what was even more fun about that is her hair and makeup guys who've been with her forever, who worked with her, they're in SOB, that scene where she's on the leading board, and they're, they're primping her. They, were, they love telling stories about that movie, and, uh, and just they're, she's just lovely. And her daughter, Emma, uh, Emma, Emma uh, Ham Walton Hamilton, um, w was a producer on the show as well, and just Julie and Emma were wonderful. And was really lucky to get a chance to do something that was that special. She's a pretty special lady. Yeah. Guess what? You're going to go see Avenue Q as well. Two tickets to you. Next tweet. Yeah. All right. I have an Avenue Q inspired tattoo that I love dearly. What is the craziest <laughs> thing a fan has ever done or gift you've ever received? Who wants that one? That's not crazy. That's awesome. Someone made me a foam door hanger that on one side said, Today I feel like Kate, and the other side said, Today I feel like Lucy. Oh. And I love I still that. Have it. Stand up. Who wrote that one? Yeah. All right. There you go. You're going to go see Avenue Q as well next week. <laughs> this is fun. I think I think that one was the craziest. The tattoo. I think that the was the tattoo. That's awesome. an homage. You're with Avenue Q is with you always. This is font. Caroline. Caroline, please stand up. There you are. How many Trekkie puppets oh. do you use in every show? That's a good question. He does seem to teleport. Yeah. Um, that's one of the, the one of the fun things about Avenue Q is that you know a, a lot of people don't understand that there's multiple versions of every puppet. The puppets don't do costume changes very well. So there's like there's like eight Princetons and seven Kates and six. You know there are uh, a total of four Trekkie monsters yeah. in the New York production. Four. Next week, okay. We're running, we're running desperately low on time, and I hate it because <laughs> I want to talk to you guys forever. We need to get a <laughs> uh, favorite mess up on stage. <laughs> oh, can I take this one? Yeah. Um, so during previews at the Vineyard, it was our third or fourth preview, and I think it was your birthday, right, Rick? Oh, was that's not a mess up. That's, that's not a, a mess tragedy. Up, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, I think it's the, it was the uh, the moment that I lost it the most, <laughs> um, Rick. They blacked out the lights after internet for porn, and there there wasn't enough light at that point yet to get him off stage. Actually, I ended the I ended the internet is for porn with Trekkie Monster like a, an Al Jolson song. Right? <laughs> so I'm down on my knees and I'm in a pin spot because there was playoff music to help Jen get up to the second floor because the next puppet character that she has to do is up on the second floor. It's Mrs. Thistletwat. So we needed to fill some time. So after porn, there's this little playoff, and I'm in the pin spot, and I'm exiting stage right, 
uh, and at the vineyard, they took out the first couple of rows of the seats, and they built an apron on the stage uh, so that there was a, uh, an extension on the front of the stage that ended before the proscenium did. Well, there was escape stairs there, and we were in our early previews, and we weren't quite done with everything, and there was no glow tape on the stage, and I fell off the stage. Maybe they, oh turned, no. off, they turned off the conductor monitors, too. You used yeah. to have some light from that. So <laughs> I fell down the stage, and I uh, badly Sprained. sprained my ankle. Yeah. Jeez Louise. And he could, this was the third preview, and he could not complete the run and of the show. And my 45th birthday. Sacrifice for your art. All right, next tweet. We're running we're down to a minute. This went a little too fast. Broadway Central, how have the puppets changed from 2003 to 2019? Oh. They're a lot more beat up now. <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand that all those puppets are built by hand. There are, there are, there's no factory, there's no store to get them. Rick designed them, and every puppet is built by hand. He has patterns, but of course, everything changes, you know? Um, the, the biggest changes occurred between uh, off-Broadway and Broadway. Uh, the original design concept of Avenue Q's puppets was that it was a sort of dingy version of Sesame Street, and there were and there were uh, subdued colors. And what we discovered is that the subdued colors on the and the subdued colors of the puppets made it hard to see. So when we moved to a larger house, uh, I had to redesign a bunch of stuff, and we basically brightened up the color palette substantially. And the two characters that went through the most redesign were Lucy and Princeton. We wanted basically both of those puppets to look better. <laughs> uh, we wanted Lucy to be sexier and to look younger. She looked a little older uh, in the original incarnation of her. And um, Princeton, <laughs> Princeton just went s through some refinement to try to make him look a little bit better, a little he more handsome. He has abs. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> and and Trekkie's horns got bigger. And that's those are the those were the main changes, but between Broadway and now, no substantial changes. The, the designs that's one of the things I'm most proud of. But it's good. It's the good. The designs really hang yeah. in there and hold. You guys, up. unfortunately, we ran out of time much sooner than I think any of us would have liked. I hate that. But can you each, in like ten seconds, just tell us how Avenue Q has changed your life quickly, Carmen? Get the fastest way possible, I guess. <laughs> uh, Don't take off all the ten. Hurry up. Go to Anne, I don't know. Uh, the difference between my career before Avenue Q and my career after Avenue Q is that after Avenue Q, I, everybody knew who I was. I didn't have to explain, tell my resume, or anything. It was just, oh, you're that girl from Avenue Q. Bobby Lopez. Yeah, it, it, it was my dream coming true. It was, it was nothing, even though I've, I've had a lot of great successes after it, there was never any experience quite like Avenue Q because my life went from being a nobody to getting the career that I wanted and always be grateful for that. Aaron Quill. Uh, it was my debut and also it gave me a platform uh, later to write my blog. Yeah, which you all need to write. There's a fantastic article that, that Aaron has written that uh, involves um, some whitewashing of uh, casting and yeah, Avenue Q. Yeah, people love places. to whitewash Avenue Q. And uh, you need to read it and it's, a, it's an important read. So look up the fairy princess. Uh, Howie. I, I always wanted to be on Sesame Street, and I always wanted to be on Broadway, and I got to do them both at the same time, so that was great. Mr. Bruzo. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't be in this room via any other path. There's no way I would have gotten to be part of this community in any other way. This was the only way I could have gotten here. I'm so grateful. Rick Lyon. Oh, you already heard all my stuff, so. You guys, thank you so much. I Congratulations.
You bought apartment, a Carmen. I bought my apartment. Listen, that's, that's about as high a come as you can get. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Uh, congratulations. Look for Avenue Q to open up again uh, on Mars very soon. Uh, it's a little show that could and has just been so revolutionary in changing the face of theater. So thank you all very much for that gift. Have a great day.